Uh, let's get started. Like I said, we're Second Timothy chapter 4. We're ending out our book, and um, we're going to figure out how to fulfill your ministry. Um, and that's, that's kind of an important thing. Um, and before we get started, I do want to just say welcome to Rock Bible Church. We're Christ-centered. Amen. Who's the center of what we do? Christ. Okay, good. Uh, we always have to remember that. Um, we're not in the money-making business. You know, we don't make widgets. Um, we don't provide a service per se. Uh, what we do is we center on Christ, and that's the focus of what we do. Now, uh, we provide services that help you do that, whether it's a Bible study or a worship experience or a teaching or something like that. Um, and we want to do that best we can. Um, we want to do it at the same time as being biblically based throughout. So we say, welcome Rock Bible Church. We're Christ-centered, biblically based. And I want to um, emphasize that this morning because Paul has really made a big deal about truth in this letter to Timothy. Uh, there's a lot of stuff out there back in his day. There's a lot of stuff out there in this day. A lot of ideas, a lot of options, a lot of twisted thinking. And we have to remember where do we get our truth? We get our truth, uh, one, from Christ, from God himself. And one of the ways that, uh, that he does that for us is in this thing. Now, yours, yours might be thicker or thinner or have commentary or not, but whatever you have in here is what helps us figure out truth and makes things work. Um, and uh, I like what Bryce was kind of joking about this last year. We've kind of been in a coma a little bit. Um, you know, maybe we try to be positive. We spent a year of meditation, you know, we, we try to mentally make our hair get whiter, you know, or something like that. Uh, it's important for us to remember that in spite of all the things that went on this last year, we got to stay grounded in truth. And that comes from Scripture. And so uh, that's why we say, welcome to Rock Bible Church. We're Christ-centered, biblically based. And then we say, compelling, casual community. We're compelling ourselves and others to that Christ-centered that we talked about at the beginning. Uh, and we do it in casual ways that welcome all to worship because we want everybody to have a shot at it. Amen? Okay, so you're going to hear this in chapter 4. So i got to make sure that you know we're trying to do this as a church, and uh, we borrowed it. It wasn't our idea. Okay? Um, and then the last thing we say is that we're being a community that serves the greater community. Um, and you're going to see that as well. Uh, how do you bond, connect, interact, challenge, support, serve with other people? Uh, and so Paul's going to make a big deal about that this morning, and, um, and we hope that uh, you take it in. Uh, rather than just, you know, hey, that's what Rock Bible Church does. No, this is what we do. This is what Christians do. Those that follow Jesus, ask them. Oh, really? You followed you? How do you follow? Well, there's great practical stuff in what we're looking at this morning. So let's pray, and then uh, we'll hit the ground running. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for all the things we've heard about. Thank you for all the things we sang about. Pray mostly that we would remember all of them stem from you, start with you. If they last, it's because of you. If they end, it's because of you. And so I pray uh, you would help us this morning to see 
What are the final thoughts in this book? Why are they there? And what could they mean for us? Uh, help us to identify, recognize truth this morning. And then, Lord, show us how to apply it. Pray we do it this morning and as we leave this place later in honor of you and your son through the guidance of your spirit. And all God's people said, amen. Second Timothy chapter 4, Paul's uh, wrapping up and he says, verse 1, he says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus. Ooh, in the presence of. What's he reminding Timothy? Timothy's sad. Apparently, we heard in a previous chapter that there had been some tears. It was not explained. Uh, but he's, uh, he's obviously getting at least a second letter. It's the second one we have. Could have been more. So there's tears. He's being written to uh, several times. At least something's going on. Timothy feels a little alone. Pressure. Challenge. Whatever it is. What's Paul reminding him? You're wrong, Timothy. You're not alone. This is not pressure. This is not a challenge. This is, like Paul says in a different book, light and momentary affliction. It's something, but I'm here. You're not alone. You're going to be fine. You can handle this. You can make it through a whole year of being shut down. And Oh, wait, no, that's, uh, that's us. Right? Um, he says, I, I know that you're in the presence of God, as I'm in his presence too. And um, can I challenge you? Is there a greater pursuit for you? Like action steps in your faith moving forward. Well, I want, I want to study more. I want to get a degree. I want to serve more. I want to, you know, you come up with a lot of things. Can you come up with a better one than just pursuing the presence of God? What if you never accomplished anything, but you and God were close and you could feel it, experience it? You, I, I, um, man, I'm getting all choked up. It was a, it was a rough week, folks, for choke up. Scott, Scott is, this is choke up week for Scott, apparently. I'm going to tell a story about it in a little bit. We're going to get to it. Um, But in starting the church, before we had anything, before I had had coffee meetings or no paperwork, no bank account, no people, no place, no money, nothing. I was finishing some seminary stuff and thinking about it. And this thought and feeling combo came over me. Like, what if, what if it doesn't work? Like, you start a church and you do everything, and it, what if it doesn't work at all? Like, what if it catastrophically fails? What if you lose your family and your wife and everything, and at the end of it, you have nothing? And, and it was a freaky, scary, thought-feeling combo. And, and the, the end of it was this but you had me and I kind of took it as like a, a God saying hey if this thing just totally totally fails 
and you lose everything, right? I'm thinking Book of Job, right? It's like you're looking around. I've even got boils, right? <laughs> and and but you're but you and God are good. And then the challenging question: Would that be enough? Would you do it? I said, well, sure, let's just skip all that negative stuff, right? How about we just, how about we just try to be in the presence and have that be the priority? Uh, and I, I tell you what, I, like I said, I've been in a lot of churches, I've been a lot around, around a lot of Christians where I had the question, uh, are they in the presence? Are they, is that a priority to them? or they're building the organization or trying to protect the budget or making sure they keep their ministry going or whatever. Yeah. Felt flat. Paul said, hey, Timothy, you never need be flat. You can always have the presence of God. Man, that's enough for a whole chapter, right? Should we wrap up now? Call it a day. Let's go get lunch, right? Uh, who is to judge the living and the dead? By his what? By his appearing and his kingdom. He's going to judge the living and the dead by his appearing and his kingdom. How is he going to judge? By showing up. Didn't we just talk about presence? Being in the presence? It says, yeah, well, this is God's goal, is to be on the scene. Right? Garden of Eden, everything goes poorly. Jesus shows up on the scene. Right? Israel, in their precarious journey, every time things mess up, who shows up and saves the day? God, right? Then we get to the Gospels, and Jesus says, all right, Dad, I'm, I'm going to go down there. They, I just need to be down there for a little while. A little about three, 33 and a half years or so, something like that should be good, right? There's something about him appearing and being present, right? We're not going to Zoom this one, Dad. I'm going, face-to-face. Uh, love that. Uh, verse 2, preach the word. So here's, here's um, his to-do list. This is Timothy's to-do list, right? Here's your action steps. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. We just found out there's no off-season. Well, you know, the cousins are coming to town, so we're going to take a break. I've been working a lot lately, so I'm going to flake out on such and such. You know, I, I went to a, a, a ministry-type event the other day, and uh, 15 minutes before we're supposed to be there, somebody calls and cancels. Maybe there was a good reason. It's like, you know, we all planned we're supposed to do this. There's no off-season. Somebody shows up at your door and they're upset and they come to your door because you know them and you got a relationship and, you know, it's kind of late. Can we talk about this tomorrow? What? They're there now. People reach out. Why do they reach out? Guys, why does your wife ask you questions? So that you can say, ah, let's talk about it tomorrow. I don't know if that's important right now. No, they're making an effort. As we say on the soccer field as a coach, reward the effort. But to make an effort, do something. In season or out of season, we're supposed to be preaching the word, right? Uh, does this speak to the value of truth? 
Sorry, folks at home, I can't hear you. I can hear the people here, but they have to speak up for me to hear them. Okay, so just bear with me for a second. I got to do a little lesson training for the people present, right? Um, is this about truth? Yeah. Oh, there you go. Uh, is it about action? It is. What is the value of truth without action? It gets stuck here, and it gets stuck there, and it goes nowhere else. You got to speak up, show up, put both hands on the rope, walk in the room, whatever. We have to be proactive, right? Insert commercial for men's fraternity right there, but I can't share any more than that because what happens at men's fraternity stays at men's fraternity, right? There's a huge amen to that, but it'll be the guy saying it on Monday or Wednesday. You know, we won't hear it here. Uh, in season action, and then uh, action item number two, reprove. What's reproving? How do you reprove? You correct or check. Double check, right? You know, it's in, in the construction industry, they say measure twice, right? Reprove, rebuke. What's a rebuke? take back or ask somebody to take it back, right? That's a real correction. That's like a stronger correction. Like, oh, no, we know this is a mistake. We're not checking it. We know. We got to fix that, right? Exhort. What's an exhortation? It's an encouragement, right? We do them at the very end of the service. Pretty much every service we've ever had for Rock Bible Church we don't call it an exhortation generally. We call it a blessing. I stand here. I put my hand in the air and I say, hey, may you blah, 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 right? I'm exhorting you. I am calling you to an action. We're not talking about a mistake or trying to check something or correct it. We're saying, hey, there's a projection out there that we could push towards. Um, what is the value of truth being defined as? It can double check things. It can correct things, and it can push you in the right direction. Truth is about past, present, and future. Pretty cool. Uh, he says, so preach the word, reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience. All right, you lost me. I don't have time for that. <laughs> right? Ain't nobody got time for that. Uh, complete. Why patience? Why, why did patience get in there? It's action item number five, right? Why, why, did, why did they have to stop the real actions and give like a character check with number five? Because I like this. I like, she says it might not happen as quickly as you want. I've never had anything happen as quickly as I wanted, right? Even at the drive-thru. Can, can we speed it up here? Right? He says patience because... Those things take time, and our expectations are irrational. Ooh, honey, I think he just smacked us. He just poked us. Was that a blind sign? Yes, uh, your, expecta your expectations are irrational, generally. How do you make the first four realistic. They're great ideals. But as we try to push here, we want to get our ideals or our truth, our doctrine, our theology correct. At the same time, we've got to figure out how do you do it? 
And I, I want to point something out right now. This is a great time to do it. Uh, three weeks ago, we talked about guarding God's deposit. What God has instilled in you, how do you protect that? Own it, value it. Two weeks ago, uh, we talked about getting in God's game. Once you value what he's given you, how do you get involved in what he's doing, right? How do you initiate? Last week, we talked about continuing in God's truth, right? As you value who you are and you start doing the things that he's called you to, how do you maintain truth through that? It's a great little progression. Notice all the titles are an acting word in God's possessive something. Look at the title this morning. God's not in the title. Fulfilling ministry. Oh, wait, did I, did I miss something there in the title? Fulfilling ministry? Fulfilling your ministry. It, we have to figure out that as much as God is present and that God gets credit for all the big stuff, much as his appearing and presence are important, any guesses as to whether he wants us to appear and be present and be in the game? God says, you have a ministry. Let me prove it to you. Uh, complete patience and teaching. So teaching is not just preach the word, but explain it, help people understand it, right? Difference between preaching and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. No. What? No. There are things currently in our culture that people, if you told them 20 years ago that we would be questioning some of the things we're questioning today, they'd just say, whatever you're taking, stop taking it. Right? Get help. Um, it's amazing where, how far we can wander, right? Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Uh, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers. They will pick their teachers. That's so backwards, right? Teachers should be picking who they are because they're the ones that know the truth. Yeah, I don't like what they say. Great. Uh, Pick your church that way, and it'll catastrophically fail for you. I went, I went to a, uh, I got to call it a service. I, I, I went to a service that some would call a church service in a building that some would call a church. And for 45 minutes, this guy talked and never once opened the Bible and never once mentioned God. What? What are we doing here? This is weird. Uh, it's becoming more common, um, and it's important that we not do it. You know what I love is Paul never assumes that Timothy would do this. He says, the time is coming when some, right, implying others, I know I don't have to worry about this with you, Timothy. Love that. That comes from some of the foundation he's laid in the first three chapters. Uh, but they're going to accumulate themselves teachers to fit their own passions. We're going to put the cart before the horse, right? You know, you, I was having a discussion uh, with someone about passions. 
Are passions bad? No. Passions are amazing. Wait, Scott, careful. No, I'm serious. Have you had a really good meal? Like where the sauce simmers for eight hours? Ooh, and then you pour it over some noodles, right? With all the set. Is there passion in there? Yeah. Is there anything wrong with it? Yeah, there is. There could be. If you ate the whole thing, right? You just keep getting bigger. Uh, passions are not the problem. We have to figure out how to manage our passions, right? Passions lead to marriage? Better say yes, right? Is that good? Not good for man to be alone. Two shall become one, right? Leave the father and mother. Hey, that's good. Are there passions there that need to be managed? Is there self-control value? Yeah. We get in trouble when passion comes before the teaching. We keep teaching ahead of the passion. You'll start to figure out why God gave you those passions. Because he gave them to you on purpose. Uh, And man, they're supposed to be fun. Right? You start learning some new passions. Passions for serving. Helping. Giving. Sacrifice. You have to be careful then because you're approaching the heart of God there. Right? Start to experience why Jesus came, appeared, and was in our presence to do some of the things he did. What was driving him? What was the passion of the Christ? Right? Shameless movie plug. It's the season. I had to mention it somehow. Uh, And we'll turn away. See, passions, uh, following your passions makes you turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. You just start making up your own story. Right? It's why Hollywood thinks they can do whatever they want. Say whatever they want. Come up with just illogical stuff and then tweet it, spread it, post it, and think that they should engage professional athletes in it too because they're known for being intellects. I mean, what? That, that's where we're getting direction? No. Because you can run fast? You're supposed to tell me about politics and God and all this? Uh, no. You're supposed to tell me what truth is? Wait, you're a professional at faking and I'm supposed to trust you and follow you for logic? No. No. That's not where we get our truth. And that's why they wander. Uh, boy, but they're attractive and they get a lot of attention. They sell shoes, and so the kids all follow them. Man, where have we gone? Uh, verse 5, as for you, instead of being that, be this. Always be sober-minded. Is that about drinking? Say no. This is about mindedness. What would sober-mindedness mean? When you're sober physically, you're clear, right? He's saying keep your mind clear. Is this a reference kind of back to truth in teaching and preaching, right? Have your mind clear, like maybe biblically based. I don't know. I'm just thinking, right? Uh, endure suffering. Suffering's going to happen. Your job is to handle it. Deal with it. Oh, you never believe what my husband said to me. Figure out why he said it. 
Maybe he's struggling. My kids, they they're kids. I don't understand why my parents obey your parents. They're older, they're wiser, they've seen it a few times, and they're probably tired of you. <laughs> you know, we, we can endure, can't we? I was going to write Enduring Your Ministry for the title this morning, but I thought it was a little cheeky, just a little cheeky, so I, I, I went with the verse, right? Here it comes. Uh, do the work of an evangelist. What, what's your job? Are you supposed to be an evangelist? Are you supposed to compel others to Christ? Who are you inviting and what are you inviting them to? How are you inviting? Have you been inviting? You know, if you put a tiny bit of effort in it, it is one of the easiest things on the planet. You could do it with sod. Just letting that sink in. If you put no effort into it, it could be one of the scariest, most dangerous things you've ever done or not done. Because you think God is a taboo topic, that religion is um, politically incorrect, and you want to conform to culture. That's not how evangelism happens. Evangelism happens by you recognizing that every single person around you is a little twisted, a little broken, a little hurt, and in need of a Savior. That they are a beautiful, perfect creation of God the Father who is capable of all things. And no matter what they've done, there it goes again. No matter what they've done, Papa God, isn't that how we say it, Judy? Papa God can be there for them. Are we interested in getting that out there somehow? Because this is how you, next phrase, this is how you fulfill your ministry. See, I knew Scott was a fraud. He just steals all of his titles and stuff straight out of the scripture. Absolutely. If that's the definition of fraud, guilty. Speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. Is that kind of what we've heard? That's from another a verse in another book. And, but speak the truth in love. Teaching, rebuking, reproving, enduring, suffering, doing the work of an evangelist. Uh, we're going to be sober-minded in this. Why? So we can speak the truth in love. We're going to get thick skin. We're going to stay committed. And we're going to see what God has for us in our, you know, you have a ministry. What is your ministry? Well, I'm not an evangelist like you, Scott. Yes, you are. 
well, I'm different than you. Well, yes, you are. And no, I'm not calling any of you to preach every Sunday. We might find one of you out there someday. But um, you go to an office or a warehouse or you have places that you go with people that you see where you're within earshot and they can see what you do and how you do it. Um, and in all of those places, you have a ministry. Especially when it hits the fan. That's when they're watching. That's when they're listening. That's when they're questioning, judging, doubting, and skeptic comes out. And you have a great opportunity. Patiently to fulfill your ministry and get truth out there. It's the way we do it. Uh, six, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering. He's in jail. He's not getting out. He's in a whole lot of trouble. But drink offering, poured out as a drink offering. What a Bible phrase, right? That we have no idea what that looks like or sounds like. or That doesn't mean anything to us anymore. If I took a cup, and this was the altar, and, and I went into the temple, and I, I took a cup of whatever I'm offering, and I poured it onto the altar, what would happen to that liquid? Oh, get the mop. Oh, now we got to get the, it would, all those sound effects, they'd it'd just go everywhere, make a huge mess. You'd be taking something that you value and you would be disseminated, it would be dispersing and just useless, making a mess. Something that you value no longer has value to you anymore because you value something else. You are trading value at the altar with the drink offering by saying, this isn't important to me anymore, and I dump it on the altar of the one who is important to me. Paul says, I'm a drink offering. I'm useless to all the stuff that I used to think was important. And I am in jail going to continue to do my ministry, and I'm running out of time. (laughs) They're coming for me. It's going to be over soon. I've been stuck on this drink offering analogy like all week, just thinking about like to be poured out is to just be wasted, just make a mess. Poured out means you're making a stain, right? Look at the carpet in here. We've done a pretty good job. And the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. We're to be fighters. Not the first time he said that in this letter. And it's a good fight. Are you to be good at fighting? Or are you just called to fight the good fight? Because those two are very different. Do you need to be a good fighter? Or just do you need to make sure you're in the right fight? Because here's the thing. In the right fight, you're going to lose. You're not a good enough fighter for the right fight. And yet God's going to make you win. There's other fights that are the wrong fights that you can win. And they'll get you nothing. Right? Fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And how has he done that? 
he has kept the faith. Wait, it doesn't say anything about how many churches he started. How many missionary journeys he's been on. How many he's converted. You know, Paul, how many baptisms have you done this year? Could you fill out the form and turn it into the national office? I don't fill out those forms. I mean, we're Southern Baptists. We do food at every event, right? That's enough. I don't have to fill out a form. Right? Henceforth, you must use this word sometime this week. Henceforth. Uh, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. For, for doing what? For having faith. It gets a crown just for having faith. Hmm. Which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Not only to me, but also to all. Shouldn't, shouldn't it just shouldn't it just be done right there? Just to me and to all. Amen. No, it says, to me and to all who have loved his appearing. Wow. Doesn't say anything about faith there. We've dropped down to just presence and appearance again, haven't we? Didn't we start the chapter that week? Here's the ones who are going to get it. The ones that are glad when God shows up. They're just glad that he's there. Before we talk about anything that he's done, just the hope and the joy of him showing up. I was in Costco. I got my cart, it's full, and I'm trying to pick the line. You've all been there. What's the fastest line? I see this uh, teenage guy, he's got a cart, not too much in it. I think, I'll get behind him. Right, now you know my trick. Look at the cart. If it has less stuff, it goes through the line faster. Of course, you probably have all figured that out. I pull up behind him. He kind of turns, barely acknowledges or notices me. Uh, and, and he's just standing there. And I'm waiting. And the person in front of him is kind of done and moved forward. And he's just standing there. Cart's not moving. He's not moving or going anywhere. He's just kind of looking around. Very calm. I thought, maybe he's waiting for somebody. I didn't want to bother him. Be respectful. I can wait. I'll be patient. He just keeps waiting. He's not saying anything. He's not really doing anything. Just very calm. Just waiting. And all of a sudden, this grunt comes out. This grunting sound. And I immediately recognize the sound. He has some challenges in ability. But the grunting gets louder and more rapid, and he's excited, and he's smiling, and he's clapping, and he's jumping, and he's laughing, and he's making all this. So he is like elated, just like, Something great just happened, and I missed it. Like, I want to ask him. I recognize I'm not, 
probably not going to be able to engage and get anything. And I'm just, I'm just entranced in his little experience of like pure joy and happiness. And I'm, I'm thinking like, how do you change gears that fast? Like, what is going on? And up walks mom. And it started to all click for me. He was waiting there. It wasn't going to do anything. It wasn't going to say anything. It was just going to wait there until mom appeared. Until mom showed up. Cart's not moving. We're not doing anything. We're not in a rush. Nothing going on. Just, I'm waiting here. I walked up on something I thought I recognized. And mom comes up, grabs the cart, starts moving it forward, kind of glances at him, and he's just clapping and kind of following after her, like, calmly. And just, she takes the lead, and they go through the line, the whole thing, and they're having little interactions. And, and, and I just thought to myself, this mom has a total system that absolutely works for this kid. And I thought, I want that. I do not want a system that works for my kid. I want to be the kid. I want, I, I, I recognize like the level of joy and excitement and happiness and fulfillment that he was having in that moment because mom showed up. Like when's the last time I felt like that? Now, I was totally clear on this week's passage, and it just, it came over me. Those who have loved his appearing. I'm in the middle of Costco, bawling my eyes out. <laughs> Cart full of oversized cheese, <laughs> you know? I was just... I had this weird moment. It's like, that's what it's like to want the presence of God and just love that he's here, that he shows up. How about you pull the cart, God? How about you help me check out? How about I not take a step or even move until you show up? And then when you do, I'm just going to enjoy, like, whatever you want to do, I don't care. I'm just, I'm in. Whatever you're doing, I'm in. I wonder if, that's what Paul's getting at, that pure joy thing. Uh, because then it's not about accomplishing. It's kind of ironic. Paul gives Timothy this list of to-dos that's at least five long, probably six. And he says, yeah, but don't forget, just love is appearing. Be excited about following him. I wonder, can we then pick almost any course of action after that? I vote yes. You, know, you figure out what your truth is, and then you're pursuing God. You get married or not get married. You take this job, you can take that job. You could buy this car, you could buy that car. Or you could just ride a bike. You could be totally happy. Great opportunity. Hey, we're uh, eight verses in. Congratulations. Goodness gracious. Uh, do your best to come to me soon. For Demas, in love with his present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. 
hey, good news, Demis, you made it in the Bible. Bad news is you made it in the Bible as a jerk. Crescens has gone to Galatia. Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. There's a whole little sermon right there. Paul rejected John Mark before. Now he's asking for Mark to show up because Mark made progress. A little devotional thought for you. You can make progress, right? Uh, you can also recognize progress and reward the effort like Paul's doing here. Uh, Tychicus, I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left at carpet, with Carpus at Troas, also the books, and above all, the parchments. What? Paul still has work to do. He still has ministry fulfill, to fulfill from jail. Could, could you bring me my books and some paper? I'll write some more letters, and I want to keep at this. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Amen. Uh, beware of him yourself. Are we supposed to beware of those that it doesn't work with them? Say yes. We don't throw pearls before swine. Uh, for he strongly opposed our message, the truth and the preaching and the teaching. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me. Do we have presence and appearance again? We catching a theme? It's been said four times at least now. Your value is in your appearance and your presence, not in your ability. Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. Are we doing evangelism again? Why is Paul still around? Paul loved Jesus? Absolutely. Maybe one of the best followers. Well, we don't do best and comparisons in Christianity, Scott. Okay, I get it. Good. Go back to Sunday school class. Uh, one of the best Christians probably ever. How come he didn't just get snatched up to heaven? Because apparently there's something he can do with parchment where it gets the message out to a whole bunch of people. And there's a bunch of people that God wants to hear about him. How do we get it known? He says, send me the parchments. Why? Because all the Gentiles need to hear. All of them. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. Ooh. Ooh. Paul's saying this in the midst of knowing he could be fed to the lions. And he's still saying it. Like, are you trying to be lion food? Like, they catch a few of these, more of these letters, buddy. You're, you're, um, you're a snack. Uh, the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. Paul's talking about what God can do rather than what he can do. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet Priscilla and Aquila and the household of Anisiphorus. Erastus remained at Corinth, and I left Trophimus, who was ill, at Miletus. Do your best to come before winter. Eubulus sends greeting to you, as do Prudence, Linus, Claudia, and all the brothers.
Lord be with you and your spirit. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen? Wow. Why all the names? They were keeping the faith, weren't they? They were doing it. We had some examples of people who weren't, and we have some examples of people who were. Hey, you got a choice. All right. So it took us a little bit to get through there. Sorry, I told you it was an emotional week for me. Uh, so let me fly through these three uh, fill-ins. Uh, first is this. In fulfilling your ministry, we need to remember that uh, usefulness has more to do with endurance than ability. Your usefulness has more to do with endurance than your ability. You, you ever get tired of the people who read you their resume? Well, you know, I used to, and back when we started the, ugh, when you read me your resume, you've already lost. It's not about your ability or what you've accomplished or what you think or how smart you are or who your daddy was. Your daddy doesn't have that much power. It doesn't matter what your last name was or your ethnicity. Or your gender. God says, I like you. Stick with me. How about that be the most important thing? How about your defining thing be that you stay in my presence and appearance? It's that same theme. Right? I'll let you double check the verse references that I had great ideas and thoughts to share, but time is of the essence. Uh, fight to the finish in faith. Fight to the finish in faith. I think this is really just a cheerleader thing, right? Sometimes you need, just need somebody to be, to be like, keep going. Finish the job. Be the contractor that you like, right? What's the contractor that you like? Shows up early, at least on time, doesn't overcharge you, there's no mission creep, and what's the last one? They finish and clean up. Oh! I'll, I mean, really, I'll take a guy that just finishes the job. I really will. If I have to clean up, I'll clean up. I just want him to finish the job. Right? I've had so many contractor-type experiences where they do 85%, 92%. And I'm trying to, f how, do I, how do I repaint this little thing? Or how do I caulk this? Shouldn't they have caulked this thing? I don't, why, why am I, I got to go buy a caulking gun now. Right? Finish the job. And clean up after yourself. Right? Don't be the cook who cooks the whole meal and then just leaves the mess all over the whole kitchen. I cook. You got to clean it up. No, finish the job in your faith. You say him love, you love him till death do you part. As far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Now, when they walk, do curly bill brooches from Tombstone. Bye. But as long as they're there, as long as they're still asking questions, Work with him. We're to do the job of the evangelist. We're to 
compel others to Christ. Draw them in. How are you doing that? How, can you finish the job? There's so many different ways. How do you finish? What do you regularly attend? What do you make sure you pay for? Who do you make sure you communicate with? Are so many of these, uh, what do they call them? Executive functions that you could do in your relationship with the Lord. How much and what do you talk to Him about? That was very complex, Scott. That sounded like you were talking about prayer. Yes. I just said it differently. So it would sink in. Right? Finish in faith. And lastly, uh, God provides your standing, your strength, and safety. The promise at the very end said the Lord will provide what is he? his standing, that's presence, right? His strength, his ability to endure, and his safety, that's protection. So you can provide the full message. God will take care of all the other stuff. Live like there's a full message. It's why it absolutely drives me bonkers when people, I don't know if he really walked on water. I think that was figurative. You don't have real problems with the creation account. I mean, there's just so many inconsistencies. Really? You look at an art picture, say, oh, they use too much green. You're not the stinking artist. There's a full message there. In intent, purpose, and effectiveness. There's action steps. It actually works. Bryce mentioned something during worship today. He said, you know, Scott says that God's like 100%. He's 100 for 100. He's, you know, he's undefeated. Right? I'm, I'm still doing that. Are you doing that experiment? I'm, I'm just waiting for him to fail once. Right? Because as soon as he fails once, then, man, we could just go do whatever we want. Keep waiting. How long are you going to wait? Well, I'm not sure I was supposed to this, and maybe I, maybe I wasn't clear when I made that decision, and maybe he really wants me to. But maybe. How about you be in his presence and then figure out what your next step is and once you trust that he's going to protect your safety, your standing, and all that other stuff, right? By the way, the full message for who? Wait, Scott, is this one of those trick questions? Yes. Who's the full message for? We are compelling. Welcome to Rock Bible Church. We're Christ-centered, biblically-based, compelling, casual community. We're compelling ourselves and others to Christ. Who's the full message for first? You. If you don't get the message, you won't live the message, and no one will hear it from you. If you think the full message is for them, you've already failed. 
if you think it's for you first, and it's fully for them too, now you're getting closer. Wait, you mean there's more? Yes. There's more. And it all works. Amen? I want to say it again. Who are you inviting? How are you inviting? And what are you inviting them to? And let me twist it. How are you inviting yourself? How are you giving yourself permission for faith in action? I really kind of think that's the whole letter of Paul to Timothy. Give yourself permission for faith. Invite yourself into the presence and appearance of him. Get giddy excited. (laughs) Because you want to be around him. And do the best you can. Right? And then just don't have as many emotional weeks as I do. Lord, thanks. Thanks for your presence, your appearance. That we can breathe when you show up. Adam couldn't even breathe until you showed up. And Lord, there's so much around us. There's so much color, so much noise, so much movement around us. It's so easy for our attention to be drawn, for our thoughts to be twisted, for us to push agendas and, as it said in the passage, uh, follow passions. I pray, Lord, you would continue to show us where it all begins and where it all ends. That we would get the full message and then trust you for everything else. Maybe you're ready for that this morning. Maybe maybe you had the information. Maybe you've lived some of it. And maybe this morning you're saying to yourself, it's time. It's time for me to accept the full message. And that's you this morning. That might be like a first-time decision for you of join in with God. Or maybe it's like a, a new moment of clarity for you. But yeah, you're already a Christian, but you want to step deeper into it. Which of those conversations do you have in this morning? And maybe you're an established Christian and you're, and you're asking, well, where, where do I fit in this then? Ask him that question. God, what do you want to reinforce in who you've made me to be? Father, we thank you for all these opportunities and that you provided through your son, Jesus Christ, who gives us a shot at relationship, who tore the veil that we might be close in presence and proximity in your appearance. Thank you for for all the freedoms that are afforded to us because of that. And then we thank you for the opportunity to to give an offering toward you, your church. Pray you would bless it. 
and bless all of us. We pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, he's all you need. Not your ability or accomplishments. You don't need that. You just need him. May you enjoy his presence in your ministry. Amen? Amen. Amen. Go with him. And for those of you